This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. The topic of today is, well, we're going to speak about a lot of things today, <laughs> I promise. It's going to be about data on the edge, edge computing, and of course, storage. Uh, all the technologies that we love and are helping us since years to, well, store our data. But of course, I'm not going to do this alone. I'm going to do all this with an expert in the field, Mr. Mana Krishnan. Hi, Mana. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Francisco. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to have you here. I mean, so before we proceed to the all the beautiful things that we're going to discuss today, uh, well, Mana is the co-founder and the uh, Chief Technical Officer at T-Second, uh, where he leads technology strategy, product architecture, and engineering. But before that, Mana has a lot of experience when it comes to object storage and storage systems in general, databases, NoSQL, key value stores, data processing, and you know all the beautiful things that indeed uh, are part of our uh, daily tasks and routines nowadays. Is that true, Mana? That's absolutely. So I'm passionate about uh, uh, data, right? So my career, I aligned to the data technologies the last uh, 14 years. I aligned myself with the uh, startups where we uh, innovated an idea to solve problems in various technology domains related to data. As you uh, put things together well, uh, uh, data, uh, data can be interpreted by various means, like databases, NoSQL, analytics applications handle the data in a different way, and object storage, right? So these are the technology domains I built product uh, for. And uh, all these technology domains demand uh, that high-speed data access. So that means all the products that I developed in startups and big companies uh, 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 related to the high-speed data access and the mass data storage, right? Yeah, Exhibit scalable uh, storage technologies with high-speed data access to address these high-demand needs of all these applications. Yeah, that's super cool, and uh, we'll get to that. We'll get there in in a minute. But uh, many of the large companies that you have been working for, uh, yeah. well, I have to be very honest. I have uh, several uh, digital equipment here at my place. <laughs> all these companies. So uh, we're gonna discover which ones <laughs> in in a few minutes. So Mana, you're also the CTO at uh, at the second. Um, what is the second, in fact, and uh, what problem? are you guys solving exactly? So we founded uh, T-Second uh, this year, early this year. So with the goal of uh, solving the technology challenges today that customers are fa facing to uh, capture, process massive data at the edge. For example, let me describe the problem. So uh, in the modern, the data is critical. All the customers, 
the use data for critical decision making thanks to this all modern applications that emerged in the last uh, few years like machine learning analytics and ai and so on all these applications if you give a data set to them and they give a lot of insights out of data and customers can use that for critical decision making right that's what customers want to do that means customer wants to collect wants to have a lot of data from wherever they came from their use cases most of the cases the data generation happens at the edges edge could be a static edge static edge is like a industries and and where machinery generating like our data things that do not move right the static edges but also there could be mobile edges mobile edges could be airplanes drones and autonomous vehicles and so on so all these customers they have fundamental problems today number one so these edges are capable of generating hundreds of terabytes of data per day there's no good solution to capture that massive data at the edges number one number two while that data is being captured customers want to process the data at very high speed for runtime decision making right they want they don't take a decision as data is being generated for that you need massive throughput when you talk about massive data data set right that's problem number two they don't have a, a, a solution to achieve that three not all the times the data data processing happens at the edge they want to process the data at the edge for uh, a short period of time and then they want to move the data to the data center that's where they run uh, uh, hundreds of applications and they will be processing the data for a long term six months or years and so on so the problem is transferring this massive data over network becoming impractical because of the amount of data that's being captured these are the fundamental pain points today affects these customers so at t second we solve all these problems we make this end-to-end -end flow simplified and cost effective yeah, that's a beautiful introduction. I mean, that's exactly, uh, it's not exactly a definition, it's an explanation of what data at the edge is and what do we mean whenever we read about data at the edge. Um, Mana, I mean, you are you have been into the, the data world for you know long enough to answer this question, which is uh, how has the technology behind data storage evolved yeah. in, yeah. let's say, the last 10 years? So as I said, there are, in the last 10 years, the data growth is linearly growing. The last two years, the data is exponentially growing because of all these social media platforms, all these internet of things, right? Everywhere, coffee shops generate data, even mobile generate everywhere, right? So the last two years is exponential and it's going to go exponential hereafter, right? Okay, so now what challenges it created to the industry? Number one, storing this massive data with a reasonable space, reasonable power, right? That was the challenge to the storage industry. Typical 10 years ago, hard disks were the popular storage, right? That those storage had a limitations. They have a performance limitations and they have the, uh, the scalability limitations because they need huge space to, to, to address petabytes of storage, exabytes of storage. So the industry moved to this flash based storage technologies like SSDs you made up here. So the, the, to, to address these data needs, the innovation was how to uh, uh, address the speed of the, the, the high-speed access requirement for this data. That's one, one direction the storage evolved. Second one is the, in a given space, 
how much, how, how can we put large amount of uh, storage, right? For example, earlier, 10 years ago, you would have needed a two rack space to address petabyte. Now you need only uh, uh, a fraction of rack space, right, to store a petabyte. So that's how the technology, storage technology has evolved uh, in terms of, and also uh, so space and power, right? So going to this SSD-based uh, storage technologies, it significantly reduced the power requirement compared to the hard disk-based technology. So now the, uh, the flash industry, SSD industries keep evolving. A lot of new technologies coming in to make it more efficient in terms of power, in terms of density in a given space. So that's the direction that uh, the storage industry is moving and uh, it will keep moving uh, for, for a decade. Yeah, and these days everybody's speaking about uh, green or getting greener and also yeah. you know optimizing power consumption, that's for sure. Security is another thing, if I may add, but I think we're going to discuss and expand on, on the uh, security aspect of data, encryption and stuff, uh, um, more right. on that later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, well, Mana, I have actually something that, uh, the, the, the usual critical question that I ask to, to yeah. the guests, um, which is uh, a bit along these lines, you know, as more and more data, uh, let's say, is pushed to the edge, there is more and more processing power uh, yeah. on edge devices like uh, phones, mobile phones with, uh, with multiple GPUs. Uh, also, networks are getting faster. Um, yeah. You know, fiber optics uh, uh, networks, of course, are making everything faster and more uh, reliable. So yeah. my speculation goes like this. Uh, ideally, there would no longer be data storage. Like ideally, we would no longer be, be storing things because networks and, and, and devices are so powerful that they could just, you know, take it from, you know, transfer data back and forth, compute on it and, and return results. And so is it storage still a relevant thing? Uh, now, of course, uh, Probably it is. Hopefully it is. I hope. It, I think it is. But I would like to know why and what, what's your thought about that. Yes. The uh, first, yeah, I can answer this very well. So the storage is relevant for the following reasons. Even though when the data is being generated, applications are processing it, right? It's just a one-time process. The data processing doesn't stop at one-time process, right? You have to keep the data. You'll be keep processing for various aspects. For example, the data you collect today, you run a model and you get on one, one data point out of it. The same data can be processed five years from now or two years from now with a different data model, and then you can get different aspects of it. And uh, these, uh, so that's one, one, one angle. Second, uh, the data, uh, even for a simplest use case, that if you discard the data, you lost the data, you lost the time event that, that, uh, uh, that generated the data. You can never get back to it, right? Because you lost the time window, it's gone, right? So the same data, you can't collect it again. You can collect it, but uh, 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 the, there are some variable factors to it. So, so the, the data that's collected, it's a high value asset for all the companies, all, all the uh, entities, right? Even if it's a personal, you, you capture the video, it, it's your data. Right, so you cannot discard it. Right, you will come back to the ten years from now. You can look at it. Right, so in the industry, they that they, they want to capture the data. They want to keep it for decades, even hundreds of years, because it will give a meaningful insight when they uh, uh, look at right again in the future. So, so the data storage needs are going to grow significantly. 
And uh, one thing I wanted to say is on the edge, edge has a limitation. You cannot store exabits of data at the edge because edge is, um, uh, it could be a, a, a small entity where you don't have a, a big uh, infrastructure. And, and for a short period of time, the data lives at the edge. For a longer period, the data has to be moved to the data center and, the, and it's kept for a long time and continuous processing happens uh, in, that, in that data. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And uh, what are some sectors where data is growing the most to the yeah. best of your experience? So the unusual place that we are seeing, that we have been seeing is the usual places we know social media platforms, they're, they're exponentially growing for the, for the last five year decades, right? We know that those are the known areas. But the unusual areas that we are experiencing that the significant data growth happening is the two areas I can talk about. One is the, the industries, the missionaries that not used to deal with the data today are modernized, right? And they're adding sensors to it and they're generating data, right? They're capturing various events that's happening in the missions and they want to collect the data and process it for variable predictive analysis, right? It could be any, any manufacturing industry, uh, oil and gas industry, oil and gas refinery machineries, right? So they're adding all the, all the sensors to collect a lot of data. So the typical industries, any industry you pick up. So, uh, so those industries, are, data is growing exponentially. Five years ago, there was no data. Now it's hundreds of terabits of data, significant growth in those industries. Second uh, industry I will talk about is autonomous uh, vehicles. It could be autonomous test cars, or it could be planes and drones. All these uh, industries, they're making uh, uh, all the missionaries modernized and they're collecting data. So there's exponentially growth, data growth happening in this kind of mobile uh, edges, we call. So these are the two areas I will point out that uh, uh, it, it came from nowhere, this, this industry and generating a lot of data. That's wonderful indeed. And um, uh, well, uh, Mana, allow me to switch gears. And uh, speaking about the gears, in fact, at the second, uh, yeah. there, there is a, a new tool uh, yeah. that the, the, the kids might be using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm referring to Brick, B R Y C K. That's how you spell it. I hope it's correct. Uh, so brick, yeah. what is brick? It's like it's like a brick. Indeed, it looks like a brick. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. is it and who is it for? Yes. So remember, I talked about the fundamental pain points that customers are having today to capture and process massive data at the edge. So uh, with the brick technology, we address those pain points and make the end-to-end -end flow simple the following way. So the brick is uh, a small, tiny form factor, rugged, mass storage system. Uh, it can scale to petabyte. You can hold the brick in your palm, right? It's a four inch, four inch, nine inch size. That's just, you can hold the brick in a palm and it can hold up to one petabyte of data at significant uh, less power. In a typical system, storage system for a petabyte, you would consume tens of thousands of watts power. Here we are talking about 300 watts or 400 watts total power. And uh, it's a small form factor. It's a rugged system. So what that means is, as I said earlier, the challenge one, how customer, the, the challenge one for customer is uh, enabling their edges to capture massive data. 
right? Today, there's no system that allows them to do it. What's the effect of it? They are discarding all the data they're capturing, right? Only they keep the fraction of data. That's a significant loss for our customers. Since the brick is a small form factor, very tiny, it consumes less power, customer can deploy these in all type of mobile edges. They can put this in autonomous vehicles easily. Because small size and small power requirement, you can just drop this and it'll collect data, right? And you can put it in the planes and drones. These are all, all power sensitive and space sensitive edges, right? So we can deploy the brick there to solve the first problem where you can uh, capture massive data. Second problem is, as I said, uh, these, if, it, if you talk about massive data, there should be a way to access the data at very high speed. Otherwise, no point in it, right? To, to you store it one petabyte, to, to access it takes one day, then the, there's no point in it. So this brick, small farm factor, very high speed. It's, it's, I can say, 10 times more than the industry standard in terms of data access speed. Right, you can access speed a petabyte of data in two hours. Right, that 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 that's the uh, the speed of access. It's also the second problem where customers can process the data at massive speed uh, while the data is being captured. That's the problem to address. A third problem is how to get this data to the data center quickly for long-term processing. Right, so the brick is a rugged small form factor system. It's a plug-and-play system. You can plug the brick and transport through a normal shipping practices. You can just drop it to the courier service. Next day morning, it arrives the data center, and then uh, it turn on the system, the data is instantly available. In other words, since the, if you transfer this data over network, it will take weeks of time, petabyte of data. So, so BRIC is a, a, a one of a kind, a small form factor, high density rugged system that uh, addresses all these pain points and uh, provides a highly economical solution for customer to capture this massive data and move uh, between the edge and the data center uh, in, a, in a continuous manner. That's, that's incredible. I mean, I'm uh, personally interested in knowing more about how, how do you guys reach those speed? Uh, like what's the technology, the transfer technology, if you can disclose? Yeah. Yes, I will discuss that. So in the, to achieve this small form factor, uh, storage system. So we uh, leverage uh, high-speed flash uh, chips, uh, which is, we, there's a technology called NVMe ECIE. So this is the modern high-speed flash chip technology. Uh, so in the brick uh, system, we have several, we have, a, if you find with the number, it's more than 64 flash chips arranged in a way that they all can operate in parallel. Each flash chip can go to four gigabytes per second, right? So if you multiply by four by 64, the, the brick can handle 256 gigabytes per second throughput at any point of time. It doesn't design that. So the technology is a flash chip. The flash chip compared to the hard disk, the other storage technologies is very tiny, small and high density and high speed technology. So that's the fundamental component of the brick. So NVMe flash chips, right, assembled together to form a single big storage. And uh, these uh, flash chips, high speed, when you talk about high speed, they generate a lot of heat when they operate. So when you put together everything in a small form factor tiny system, a lot of heat gets generated. The fundamental problem we addressed in this technology is 
to uh, a patented technology to dissipate the heat that is generated by all these uh, flash chips operating at high speed and uh, in a way that uh, these devices can operate at high speed, right? We dissipate the heat. That's one of the uh, idea of patented technology we have. Wow, this is, this is really incredible. And I mean, I have so many questions. I think we need another episode only for my questions. <laughs> we can do that. I'm glad. <laughs> no, I, okay. Jokes apart, I really have a, a couple. Like, if you want to make a comparison with current systems, you already mentioned, and yeah. and feel free to to repeat because yeah. it's yeah. it's really something I I I I want to stress more. Uh, yeah. That is, for example, the power consumption a yeah. petabyte. Yeah. Uh, system uh, storage yeah. system would yeah. need uh, let's say how many watts the, a traditional one uh, versus the 300 watts of of brick so yeah. how in, many yeah in a traditional system so in the the, the, the data center system PPC, so at least 5000 watts right wow. a system right of outage with a brick 300 to 400 watts. Like, like a, a regular PC with a GPU for gaming, right? Yeah, a bit, yeah a bit regular PC with a GPU or even your hard drive, right? Hard drive won't yeah. use uh, uh, that much power, right? So hard drive is 300, 400 watts. So it's, that's going to be the, that, that's nice. a power consumption. Wow. And it, with this, we also address, we are moved towards the green aspects of it, right? That's also we're keeping that in mind in our design uh, philosophy where uh, uh, so we have to be power efficient, uh, moving this technology to the green side of the world, right? That's where the world is moving. So this helps with that side as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and another, another comparison I would like to stress on is uh, the speed you already mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so again, a traditional petabyte system that yeah. would, you know, would uh, need to transfer things, of course, depending on the the bandwidth and the, the reliability of the network, etc. But you know, if you want to make a, a, a gross comparison yeah. uh, between the tra a traditional system transferring petabyte yeah. of information versus yeah. the brick, like yeah. how how long would it take, for example, to download the entire brick on or, I don't know on another system? So just yeah. transfer yeah. the entire content of the of of brick. Yes, yeah. to entire content of the brick, it will take two to four hours petabyte. That's, that's what the brick takes with, with the high-speed access, right? If you transfer the same data over network, okay? Assuming you have a very high-speed network, which is which significantly, its cost is significant, but assuming that you have it, and it will take week, right? To transfer the data over network, right? That's the time frame we are talking about. In a, so here's how the customers want to use this. You are capturing petabyte of data at the edge, okay? Some customers, big customers, they have billions of dollars. They can have a dedicated fiber between this edge and their main data center. And uh, they pay millions of dollars to maintain that link for millions, multi-millions, tens of millions of dollars. And uh, so in that high-speed network, petabyte of data, it will take many days, a week to several weeks. And with a brick, Here's how customers want to use it. Once the data brick is filled, right? So now this data has to be in the data center quickly. So the, the way we are addressing it is, okay, take the brick and ship it through a normal overnight shipping, for example, right? 12 hours, right? right. It's in the morning for $100, right? But every shipment will take only cost $100 and uh, less than $100 actually. So, and the data is 
when the brick arrives at the destination, the data is available instantly. Let's say for the whole physical transport, 12 hours, for example, right? So, and uh, once it reaches the data center, it takes only one or two hours to upload the data, to download the data, right? That's it. So you can see that 12 hours too. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the data will be available. I assume that the data yeah. should be, or well, must be encrypted because <laughs> otherwise, if it yeah. gets lost in the in the in the during the transfer, anybody yes. could be accessing the data, right? So, Absolutely. is there an encryption stack? In, in Absolutely. Plan? So, so when the data is being returned to the brick, so the brick uh, encrypts the data uh, using two fifty six bit uh, keys, which is the standard three highest uh, key standard. And uh, uh, the the brick doesn't hold any keys or any authentication credentials inside, uh, so it's all kept outside. So anybody steals the brick, they, they can't make any sense out of it. Number one, uh, it's, it's, and, it's the first time that they can say it's bricked. <laughs> yeah, it's bricked. And second one is this system is unbreakable system. In, if you look at the computer, you can open it and you can do whatever things. You can hack things. You can do things. Right? This is unbreakable. So the, 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 we, this product as building we goes through a process called potting. Uh, and uh, once we assemble all the electronics, it goes through the potting process. The potting process is uh, basically we pour some liquid on the overall assembly and it becomes a solid rock. That's it, right? We can't open it again. Then you can't break again. You can even, uh, it won't open even a bomb blast, right? It's completely protected system. That's how we make sure that the data is secured when, when we physically transport, right? Somebody should not be able to hack it. Someone should not be able to tamper with it, right? And we protect the data in all the friends uh, in addition to the data encryptions. Wow. Okay, so uh, this looks more like a military-grade security. <laughs> yeah, tight security. So so if you... Uh, uh, today, I think you answered asked a question, how... Uh, customers use today to transfer data. So what is the competing? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah, like a comparison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so today our competing, our customers does today and how Brick will simplify them, uh, the, the, their lives is today customers uh, use network, only they depend on network to exchange data between two endpoints, edge and data center, vice versa, and so on, right? Big customers, they are afford, they can afford building this dedicated fibers between two, two endpoints and spend millions of dollars per year. They can do that, but not all customers can do that, right? Number one. So uh, number two, not all edges uh, can have a network connectivity. Think about mobile edges, autonomous test vehicles. There is no network connectivity between that and the data center, right? So they, they, they suffer this kind of problem, suffer with this kind of problems. And so to, the cost-wise, to maintain a high-speed fiber between two endpoints, it's it's uh, several millions of dollars. With a brick, the cost of we can eliminate that cost. That's our customers' uh, advantage. There is a there is a functional simplification workflow simplification with the product, but beyond that's a cost. There's significant cost savings for customers, so they can eliminate this high-speed fiber between those endpoints and completely, or they can keep a minimal speed link between these two. And with a brick, uh, uh, they can, yeah. That's how they provide cost savings. So one third cost, yeah. Yeah, wow, this, this is really cool. 
And yeah. uh, uh, so if I open the brick, I will not be capable of tampering with anything, as you said. Yes. But I'm 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 curious to know what type of hardware is inside. Like, uh, is there a way to compute on this data that are stored? Uh, yeah. Is there is there a CPU that are there is only storage? Is it passive active? Is the yeah. circuitry what's what's happening in there? <laughs> yeah. So inside, if you dissect uh, theoretically inside, so you would see these uh, high speed, high density flash chips, flash storage chips. And for flash storage chips to operate, there's a, a tiny compute element in it we call NVMe controller, a controller chips. So that only receives bytes from the computer that's connected outside of the brick and stores it to the flash chip. And uh, so a lot of, um, uh, you will see the thermal uh, components to uh, detect the heat uh, generation patterns and then distribute the heat dissipation across the system, you will see those kind of elements. And a lot of sensors to monitor the, uh, mainly the heat, uh, as radiation aspects of it. So those, you will see a lot of sensors around it. So mainly uh, it's a storage heavy components you will see. Though the compute side we left uh, outside of the brick because almost all customers, they define the computing needs for their use case. They already defined it. So our strategy is enable those existing computing infrastructure to capture massive data and process at high speed. So our product uh, transparently integrates with these existing compute uh, systems and enable them to have a large storage capacity uh, at the edges. So that, that's the difference, yes. I see. And so speaking about encryption, for example, yeah. If someone wants to encrypt data, these yeah. data are encrypted from the compute outside the brick, and yeah. the brick receives the already encrypted data, right? Yeah, it supports both the models. So a model one, so let the applications do the encryption the way they want. Then, then in that case, encrypted stream comes to the brick. There are model two customer wants to uh, wants this, uh, which is the flash chips inside have encryption capabilities. It's called hardware encryption. So the brick itself can encrypt the stream. So application doesn't have to do that. Because in the application space, when you do an encryption, it, it takes a lot of computing power for encryption alone. And uh, uh, so the computing power uh, resources are critical for running the, the process, the data processing. So we can offload this encryption to the device, the hardware itself, so that that's the compute resources are available for application processing. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Mana, I would like to ask you something uh, still on the to topic of green AI and uh, green artificial intelligence. Now, these days, uh, yeah. uh, everybody's speaking about this in, in a good way, to be honest with you, because we really have to be very yeah. comfortable with, with these topics nowadays. Uh, yeah. But with the advent of green AI, uh, there is also uh, other technologies and algorithms out there, for example, one-shot learning, when it yeah. comes to deep learning. Uh, yeah. And of course, in general, in machine learning, there are new models that tend yeah. to utilize less and less data. Yeah. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think is going to happen in the field of big data? Yeah, so, so that's a good question. So for those uh, modern uh, use cases, like one-shot uh, analytics and machine learning and so on, so they happen, right? The, the processing happens on already filtered data set. 
that's when the non sharp thing happens, right? But in order to arrive at that, you need to collect the data. You cannot decide, typically in the technology industry, we cannot decide which data is needed when it's being generated. What happens is at the generation time, you don't have much time to decide, okay, these are data I need, today this data I don't need, right? You don't have that, that opportunity that time. So you collect all the data. You collect all the data. And uh, so then go through several modeling process, then pick up a tiny data set that we need for continuous processing. So number one, we can't eliminate this big data, right? You need to capture all the data, no matter what. And then you go through several modeling process to decide which data set you need for a, uh, for a, a quick processing. So that's on, 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 on flow. But even you go through that model, the data you captured, nobody wants to discard it because that's asset for the company. They can come back to it anytime and process and create the new models of it. So that's my answer. The answer is big data is going to stay and you're going to collect data no matter what. And uh, the, there's going to be a lot of optimizations on what kind of data we need for particular uh, use case or particular analysis. You can go and handpick the small elements of data for continuous processing. And that's how this, all these uh, uh, one-shot processing, uh, all those things are getting popular uh, because they don't have to do through, go through the every uh, bits of data all the time. But the data is kept all the time. So you pick. Uh, based on your need, right? That, that's what it is. So big data is going to stay. You're always, uh, the, 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 the practical data shows that it's exponentially growing. It's exponential. And, and uh, with the, thanks to all these modern storage technologies, they can keep this data for a very long time at significant low cost. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I agree with you. I mean, I, I strongly believe that big data is going to get bigger and bigger, in fact, bigger, now yes. that <laughs> every sector is becoming more and more, uh, you know, hungry yeah. of data. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Well, man, I think we got to the end of this beautiful episode. Very, very interesting. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the listeners of this podcast, of Data yeah. Science Atom podcast, will enjoy as much as I did interviewing you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you uh, so much. It's a good question. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm very honored to be part of this podcast and to your audience as well. Thank you. So much. Really, really a pleasure. Uh, I have just one last thing. Uh, yeah. About brick, is it when when are we gonna find it on uh, on the market? So currently, uh, we are in pre-production uh, state. We are giving uh, already uh, uh, shipping this to our customers, to our friendly customers, and we call pre-production release. So you'll have in uh, one month. Uh, we'll call GA release in next next month. Yeah. Is there a, a price range we should be looking at? The price range is uh, it's uh, uh, context uh, uh, specific. Uh, it depends on like some in some customers they want to deploy tens of petabytes versus some customers want to deploy hundred terabytes. So it's all uh, uh, within the industry norm. It's not like a customer has right. to pay a huge uh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's industry norm in the stories. Yeah. That was just personal curiosities. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that was uh, Mana Krishnan from uh, T-Second, and uh, this was Data Science at Home Podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.